from the mind everything flows uh, we are what we think you know so um and and the world organizations one time says that um true health starts with mental health and i say i dare to say there's no health without mental health you're listening to savvy dialogue a podcast that provides a new and more engaging means in obtaining knowledge through diverse everyday conversations with those that know it best Today, we'll be speaking with Tamara Noel about mental health, specifically regarding how to know when you need to see a therapist, dealing with stress during a global pandemic, and why taking care of your mental health is so important. Tamara Noel is a licensed clinical therapist and founder of Wisdom Solutions. Tamara has over 20 years of experience delivering mental health services to individuals and families. She travels extensively to her native land of Haiti, sharing her expertise in mental health through workshops, trainings, and radio shows. We start the episode talking about her experiences in America as an immigrant from Haiti. Let's jump in. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and, you know, where you came from? Because I know that um, you're from, you, you were born and raised in Haiti um, and you moved here to uh, America. Can you talk to us a little bit about um, your upbringing and um, your experience uh, just culturally coming to America and uh, academia and all of that stuff and how that impacted you? Okay, most certainly. Well, um, let me just start by saying I'm really enjoying the opportunity to just sit down and speak with you, Wallen and Jane. So as you mentioned, I was born in the beautiful island of Haiti. And um, as one of our poets famously says, it's, it's, it's the place where women are beautiful. So I was born and raised in Haiti. I agree, by the way. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um and I came to the United States in my early 20s. And it's interesting because I was having a, on my radio show, I was having a conversation with uh, some of the listeners about the experience of coming to the United States. Uh, while it's an exciting thing, it's something a lot of us aspire to, but yet... It, 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 there's a level of pain that comes with that to leave what you know, um, people you know, and be detached and come and, and be planted in a new place. Although um, you might be grateful, I certainly was very grateful, but it was an experience, you know, and, and I was saying, because I just celebrated 27 years of being in this country this month. Wow, and, wow. congrats. Yeah, thank you, thank you. So I wrote this little note to America about our love story, and I said how, um, I can't say it was love at first sight, because it was more like confusion and a sense of loss, but... Um, you know, but we've been good to each other. Uh, America has been very good to me, and um, and I I believe I have been able to um, gift America, serve America with the best that I have gotten in life thus far. So 
Um, so yeah, um, I um, I'm married. I'm blessed to mother two beautiful um, little girls, and um, I serve humanity uh, as a licensed clinical social worker. And as a, a social worker, we we uh, um, train really to do many different things, to wear many different hats. But currently, I'm in private practice, so my focus is mental health. Um, and uh, what else? And uh, yeah, and I noticed that I say I serve humanity. I didn't say I am, um, because I think sometimes we get confused. Um, we confuse who we are with what we do. Um, so I have strong opinions <laughs> about, <laughs> about that. Uh, so yeah, pretty much that's uh, yeah. in a yeah. nutshell. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like, I, I kind of want to go back to something that you mentioned earlier um, mm-hmm. about, you know, your love story with America. And I think that mm-hmm. especially what's going on with right now with mm-hmm. um, the world, I think mm-hmm. people don't really have a good understanding of like what it's like being an immigrant in America. Mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. I think that that's a, a great opportunity to kind of ask you about that because, you know, me, I was born in America. I am Haitian. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. born in America and I, I have a different type of experience with America. And I mm-hmm. think that I've, I've been lucky enough to see my siblings uh, come mm-hmm. to uh, America and how uh, they go through that and what that's like for them. And mm-hmm. some of the, uh, all of the, extra obstacles that you have to go through. But I think Mm -hmm. that it's important for folks to kind of hear it from your perspective and hear it from like people that that come from your background, what it's like to be in America Mm -hmm. and some of the things that you had to go through um, Mm -hmm. to be who you are and to get licensure as a social work clinician and Mm -hmm. uh, to focus on mental health. So can you talk to to us a little bit about that and what that journey has been like? Yeah, sure. So, um, of course, I don't I don't claim to speak for every immigrant. I can only share my experience. But, you know, when you do research uh, and you want to know about a population, you want to know about um, about a group of people, you get a sample. (laughs) So uh, I definitely would fit in the sample if you were looking for a sample of immigrants, I would fit. So in that sense, I'm I'm hoping to give people. Uh, some idea of the experience. So, uh, you know, growing up in Haiti, I I went to high school, you know, primary schools, middle school, high school, um, college. I was studying law. I had dreams. I was going to be this, um, this lawyer that did social justice and you know, I had dreams. We, you have dreams, you have peers and, and, um, and then, but my mother uh, wanted us to come to America because she wanted, she saw f- further than, than what we could see. And she saw the opportunities, you know, that we would have and, and how structured America is. Because America is a beacon of light to a lot of different countries, a lot of different places where people aspire to come to America. So I came, but in coming to America, it's a it's a shock on every level. Uh, it was for me from the weather, even though Haiti is uh, is an island, it's it's tropical, but but the heat <laughs> in Haiti, you know, you cannot compare that with that hot, humid 
um, summer afternoon at Miami International Airport. And, and I still remember that. That was the first impression from that to having to learn the language and the culture and find your place. And, and it makes you question everything that you are. You have to start over. Um, so all of that until, you know, I find, I had to find my footing and, 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 and my passion. Thank God, you know, I still, cause what I wanted to do was a voice for people. I wanted to have as much knowledge as possible so I could, um, serve and fight for people who couldn't defend themselves. And I found that social work afforded me the same opportunity um, so, and now I have evolved to the point that I no longer want to be a voice for people. What I do now is help people embrace their story and, and tell their own story and, and stand up for themselves and speak up for themselves. So it's something that I absolutely enjoy. And I get to do that, not just for um, people from Haiti like me or immigrants, but for Americans. For I serve America, you know, so... That's a story, and and that's and that's the point. We come, yes, we go, we get to go to school and get an, an education. But I was thinking about it, you know, from my twenties, everything that all my experience, all my skills, all my abilities have been at the service at, of America, and 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 I greatly and 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 humbly um, do so. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I think that this is important to say Tamara, Tamara's my sister, uh, just in case no people don't know. Um, so like I, I have a unique perspective into, uh, what it was like to, to, well, I was really young when you got here. <laughs> I, I was very, very young. Um, and Tamara is the, the oldest of, uh, a six siblings. Um, so it was very unique for me growing up. I was the last child to watch all of you all um, evolve and you all mm -hmm. came from Haiti and I was, I was born here in America watching mm -hmm. you all go through that, uh, those steps and, and growing within America and like the language barrier that, that we have. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, mm -hmm. having to go to school and some of the other barriers that come with being, uh, an immigrant in America. And, you know, Miami is a, a, a beautiful melting pot. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, there's a lot of different cultures, but it's not as all inclusive as people think it is. Definitely. Um, yeah. So it was, it was great to like be able to have an example like you and, and my, my, my oldest brother watching you all go to school and, you know, go pursue careers. And that really made me understand that if you all could do it, I can definitely do it. Right. So um, thank you. First and foremost, I just want to say that first, oh, nice. just in case I don't say it enough, sis. <laughs> but um, I, I, I wanted to get into a little bit of, uh, of your background and um, what, well, let's not get into your background first. I wanted to talk about mental health, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that that is your profession. Um, that mm -hmm. is your focus. What is that? What does mental health mean to you? Because I feel like for a lot of people, it means mm -hmm. a lot of different things and people mm -hmm. float it around so much nowadays. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, sometimes it's kind of like a a, a catchy, like cliche mm -hmm. word that people use, like make sure you take care of your mental health. And I think a lot of people don't know what it means. I may be generalizing, but can you explain to us what you think mental health means? Yeah, you? for sure. For sure. I, for me, at the, at the basic, you know, the very basic definition, I would say mental health is about well-being. It's about, um, it's, it's about your, your body, your, what I call your soul, um, which is comprised of your intellect, 
your emotional, uh, your emotions, feelings, uh, memories um, that you have built in and, and, and your, your being, you know, and, and your will, your decision making, your, your actions and reactions. So, and, 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 and in the spiritual part of it. So, so as a person, the idea of self, uh, you are comprised of all those parts. So mental health is all of those coming together to give you a sense of centeredness and a sense of belonging where um, your cognition and your decision-making and, and, and physiology and everything is operating um, smoothly, you know? And, and in psychology, we talk about the sympathetic and para, parasympathetic state of your of your of, of the mind, and in the sympathetic um, phase of the mind, there's the whole concept of the fight and fight and flight and freeze uh, when people are in situations of uh, traumatic, stressful situations. The body is conditioned to react to release certain chemicals and react certain ways. Um, and to protect us, rightfully so, you know, to protect us, to give us the strength, the energy, to protect ourselves, to fight, to to run, to do what we got to do. But if, but this is temporary, you know, if the lion, a lion is coming to you or a truck is coming, you get these things activated. So you could do that. But then when, but the normalcy is the parasympathetic part where you, Calm, relax, you know, your immune system, your heart rate, everything is functioning and you've seen the world from a right perspective. You know, there's no distortions and um, different things, you know, like all these things are, are, are functioning and all right. So when when you're not, when there's no danger, no visible danger in your body and your mind is still running as if you were always in danger, always stressed. Think always thinking people are against you. Everything is personal, things like that. So you're not your your mental health is you're not in the most healthy place mentally. And and from the mind, everything flows. Uh, we are what we think, you know. So um, and and the World Organizations one time says that um, true health starts with mental health. And I say I dare to say there's no health without mental health. So that's what I, I consider mental health. Unfortunately, people confuse that with mental illnesses. Um, so when they hear mental health and people will say, well, I don't really need that because, you know, I'm not crazy. I'm, I don't need to go to a um, psych hospital. People think sometimes that's what that means. But it's a difference between having a mental illness, suffering from a mental illness, and really caring and addressing your mental health. So in that sense, every mental health is everybody's business. Um, and also the word crazy is not a really cool one, no matter what the diagnosis is. <laughs> it's no. not really cool. Nobody's crazy. That's not really cool, yeah. Yeah, not a cool word to use. It's and and, no. and, and, and <laughs> I don't think it's inclusive for, uh, of everybody at yeah. all. No, mm -hmm. that was very beautifully said, Tamira. I think that was like a perfect way to kind of um talk about like what that meant to you um mm -hmm. so just kind of going into the next part of that is mm -hmm. why would you say it's important to take care of your mental health 
And how can someone like me, like, what are some things I can do um, to take, make, to make sure I'm taking care of my mental health? Yeah, that's a, that's actually a very good question. Great question. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, so um, how come it's important? Because, you know, so I'm a Bible believing person. So I refer to the Bible. Um, and the Bible says, as a man think, so is he. Um, so that's what the Bible says. But you, you've heard of um, a philosopher named Descartes who talks about, um, I think, therefore I am. So um, the thinking and in, in psychologists, there's a, a gentleman named Beck who came up with uh, cognitive behavior therapy. And the premise is, you know, a lot of emotions and actions and reactions that we do, they stem from our view, how we see the world, um, how our mind interpret. And, and it comes from pictures that, you know, that have been forms, uh, templates that our mind have embraced from young age, you know, and that's where we operate. So the, the, those nuance in our brain, those um, brain functions <laughs> have everything to do with how we feel and the decisions that we make. So uh, I think primarily taking care of our mental health is about taking care of our mind because everything flows again from our mind. So um, your question is simple, but yet it's loaded. <laughs> so I won't sit here and say, you do that one thing and then your mental health would be okay. For everybody, it's different. But I think it starts by knowing yourself, being mindful, right? It's, it's, it's a very important word. It's a big word. Being mindful, being aware of, um, you know, what's going on with you, who you are, what you like, what you don't like, and the experiences you've had and how... They, again, they have shaped your views of the world. And when thoughts come to you to be able to stop and think and see how this thought is driving, you you know, are you are you being driven? Is, is your life being ran, run by your feelings, your emotions, um, by stress? Or is it being um, led by uh, what, what, you know, what are you operating from, from a cool mindset or from a hot mindset? Are you always in crisis? You know, all that kind of stuff. And some of it, so you, people might need help, you know, to rehash all that and really dissect all that. But at the most basic level, I would say knowing yourself, knowing what you like, knowing what you enjoy and what keeps you in that good centered place. And, and, and I would say compassion, love, compassion for self is super, super important. The idea of forgiveness, the idea of um, allowing oneself space, because sometimes we allow people sit, uh, space to be and then we so hard on ourselves. So I think self-care, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, has to do with self-care and it has to do with just really knowing yourself, embracing yourself, having compassion and love and mercy and forgiveness and being mindful of, of, of your everyday um, 
perspective in life, really. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I, I think that's well said. Um, and it makes me think you, you kind of mentioned, you know, like, are you in crisis a lot? So like, mm -hmm. speak like kind of, you know, piggybacking off of that a mm -hmm. little bit. We are in a currently in a crisis mm -hmm. right now. And um, mm -hmm. there's a lot going on. And, you know, you spoke about it earlier, like, you, you, if your mind is constantly in fight or flight, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it, it, it can really weigh on you. And I think that mm -hmm. this is, you know, it's an important time to really think about mental health during this crisis, being shelter, mm -hmm. sheltering in place, um, physically distancing, not being able to do some of the things that we were, we've all been used to. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we're getting a little bit back to normal, but it could always flip. But, you know, mm -hmm. how do you look at, you know, uh, mental health during um, this pandemic, right? Like how, how can, you know, people, what, can, what, are, what are the shifts that people are going through right now um, yeah. during this pandemic? And how do you think that they can probably help manage that um, during this crisis? Okay. So, um, yeah. So it's, a, it's a loaded question too. <laughs> I'm thinking about the, so many different things, but definitely crisis. I think it might be appropriate to kind of agree on what a crisis is. So a crisis really is at, at the simplest um, form is an interruption in your day-to-day -day functioning, your day-to-day -day operating. So when, when the things, because we all have, um, even the most disorganized person um, has some kind of routine, some kind of ways of doing and being, right? Mm -hmm. uh, some people say there's a method to to the madness or, or madness is the method. I, I can't yeah, remember. There's, a, there's definitely a method to the madness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, so everybody has something, but when that is no longer working, you know, when there's an interruption, you uh, you effectively in crisis uh, when you face in a in a situation where you feel some kind of threat, whether it's a physical threat, whether it's a emotional threat, whether it's a perceived threat. When you have that, so we're in crisis, and and not, we're not just in a crisis; it's a pandemic, something that affects not just our little personal world, but, you know, the whole country and the whole world, you know. Mm -hmm. So we're in a pandemic and with a pandemic come, pend was it, pandemonium? Pandemonium, yeah. Exactly, where, you know, just it's just chaos. And we, we've seen it, you know, we've seen it and there's been a lot of blaming going on and, but we're not going to go there, but it, it's been, it's, we all agree. So what do we do? was your question, like, what can we do? So there's been a lot of uh, loss, it's sense of loss. And I think that's something that's worth that we stop and acknowledge. Again, with the whole mental health that Jane mentioned, part of that, it's acknowledging, being aware of the losses we have experienced. We have lost wages. We have lost loved ones. We have lost relationships. We have lost a sense of freedom, a sense of security, Basic things like hugging each other, you know, um, going to church and worshiping together. There's been a sense of loss. And with loss comes grief, come grief and, and, and mourning. So allowing, acknowledging these things and, uh, uh, and, uh, and allowing ourselves to feel that 
and and giving ourselves the care, the love and the compassion to ourselves and to the people around us, I believe is super important um, in terms of the healing process. It's it's therapeutic. Um, so um, I'm, I'm kind of lost in, in my thoughts, but so that's one thing that we could do in terms of dealing with the pandemic. It's acknowledging that and it's finding ways to stay connected um, even though we can't be, I think it was the governor in uh, in New York who said that something to the effect that even though we cannot connect physically, but we it more than ever we have to stay connected. Um, so yeah. that to that extent, we have made good use of technology. Um, you know, reaching out, not suffering alone, letting somebody know how we feeling and, and doing things and becoming very, very creative. I mean, I've blown away by human resilience and creativity, you know, things like birthdays, you know, have birthdays. So I'm like, when did people think of all that? <laughs> like you know, the signing the loans and the car, line of lines of cars, just happy birth, shouting happy birthdays and decor. Just people have gotten really creative. And that's beautiful to see the human spirit. I think, I think the togetherness is super important to help us navigate all that. Yeah. And you, you, you mentioned something earlier about how if like a pattern is broken, sometimes mm-hmm. we can kind of go into chaos a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, I read a book uh, a while back, the power of habit by Charles. I, I don't remember his last name, but um uh, it was an amazing book about how once, you know, our mindset, our, our, our brains are so wired a certain way mm-hmm. that he, he kind of touched on a story of a, an old man that got into an, a car accident. And even though his, his neological brain, like his brain was different. It wasn't, it, he couldn't remember things. He was, he, he like could not remember anything mm-hmm. long-term and barely anything short-term, but he used to take this route all the time. He used to walk around the neighborhood, right? And because that he was so used to doing that, mm-hmm. he could go off outside and walk and then yeah. come all the way back home. He would always find his way back home because mm-hmm. he had that habit. habit. So so I, I like when you talk about, you know, mental health and if mm-hmm. we have a pattern, especially during this pandemic and those patterns are, are disruptive, mm-hmm. how that can really affect us. Because like when you think about the neurological patterns within our head, that it's so mm-hmm. ingrained in our head, it makes sense why we would you have issues with mm-hmm. things being disrupted that way. Yeah, definitely. And the beautiful thing about the brain too, because it's, it's fluid. It's um, so those things can be, can be, those pattern can be re-registered. We can rewire our brain because it's a, it's a, I want to say it's a hippo. I'm not going to go there, but uh, the section of the brain where you, um, that takes image and store memories. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- there's a specific place. So if they are good memories, that's what, pe- pe- you know, they're there. But if they are bad memories too, they drive these things. So one of the things we do in therapy is start restructuring, learning to put new patterns and new things um, um in the brain. So, so because these things will come out, whether, even if you're not conscious of it, like you just explained with this man, mm-hmm. he forgets, he doesn't remember. And by the way, it's Charles, 
um, the power of habit you said, right? Yeah. It's Charles somebody. Um, do, do Hing, I think. Yeah, do something Hing? like that. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. Um, so those, 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 ha- the, those habits can be formed. Um, it, you know, we can restructure that. We can we can do work to re, to put new images. So it could be good, it could be bad. But the good news is, we can shape the brain. Absolutely. So that yeah, that, and that that's like cool to hear it like during like therapy. Like that's mm-hmm. things that you can do to kind of re get in there. And I sorry, I'm sorry, we took a I took us back in, into a place where we're talking about the brain and <laughs> the neuroelectrons <laughs> and stuff. But like mm-hmm. it is it is remarkable how the brain does work and how mm-hmm. it it, it, it kind of works that way. Yeah, and it can self heal and and change. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of wanted to ask you. Um, for someone, you know, if they're, if they're, you know, realizing that they have some stress or some anxiety or they're, you know, they're like, Hey, I think I need to go see somebody or talk to somebody and Mm -hmm. just kind of get, you know, get some help. Um, what is, how do you, how would you say, like, how can someone like me, for example, how can I find like a good counselor for what I need or how can I like pick pick a good counselor? Is it just doing a simple Google search to see who's in my area or is, is there, are there like specialty counselors mm-hmm. out there that handle certain things? Kind of what's that process like? Yeah. Um, so different, I, I'm going to just start by saying that, um, it's a very spiritual, uh, kind of work. So that human connection is really important in my opinion, um, in therapy. So having said that, it's going to be important that you are with someone that you feel connected and, and it's delicate because, it's not a friend, it's a professional relationship. Mm-hmm. You have to feel, you have to feel at peace and you have to feel comfortable. Right. You know, you have to feel comfortable. This is somebody you can talk to. It's somebody we can hear, um, you, you can connect with. Um, because it's interesting, I'm, I'm taking this class about trauma and one of the things uh, we're talking about being trauma-informed and po- part of that is to make sure we don't re-traumatize people, you know, oh, yeah. come to us um, based on how we approach them, how we talk to them and just different things that would, again, take you back to those uh, um events and would trigger things for you. So I would say, yes, you do a Google search, you know, different therapists would, uh, there's something called psychology today where a lot of therapists post their profiles and tell you a little bit about the experience and, you know, talk a little bit about themselves and you get to see a picture. Some of them post pictures of their offices and things like that. So you look and see who, you know, appeal to you. I had a lady come to me and say, you know, I look at your picture and I, I felt like I could trust you. I don't know what the picture said, but you know, so, um, you look and see who, and then a lot of us give, um, brief 15 to 30 minutes, um, free, you know, intake calls, get not an intake, but like get to know, meet and greet, get to know, you could talk on the phone and see, um, I w- that's what I would recommend uh, in terms of specialties. W- so 
I guess even in business, they tell us you have to have a target population, know who you prefer to work with, et cetera, et cetera. As, but really, we, we are licensed to work. Like I'm licensed to diagnose. I'm licensed to treat different um, situations. Um, I have a background in working with families, um, marriages, etc. So different people have different things that they either enjoy doing or where they have put their focus. So you could always ask that. But most licensed psychologists or licensed clinical social workers, licensed mental health counselors um, can work with, you know, different, um, need, can meet different needs. So you would have to ask, you know, questions as to how long you've done this, what modalities do you use, um, and to see what your comfort level is. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, no, yeah makes sense. that makes a lot of sense. And like, I, when I think about it and I've looked at like all different types of stuff, like prepping and, and, and trying to understand, um, the world of, you know, mental health in that industry. And there are so many different, um, populations that you can, you know, work with. There's so many different um, people that you can talk to if you're looking for that type of um, the help that you, you you need. And like, I guess my question for you is like, what's the difference between like counselors versus therapists versus psych psychologists and mm-hmm. all? There's so many different ones. Like, what, what? How do you dis? How do you figure out what the difference is? Okay. Okay. Well. So the one you didn't mention, well, and it's the psychiatrist. So the psychiatrist is a medical doctor. He did four years of undergrad. He did four years of medical school. And then he did a residency to specialize in a particular um, branch of medicine. Well, well, in that case, that would be psychiatry. So he studies mental illnesses and mental health, four years of residency. So that's a psychiatrist. And he, most of them, they're not interested really in doing therapy. So they into prescribing medications. So those psychiatrists prescribe medication. And then you have nurse practitioners and physician assistants who also can prescribe medications. And then you have the psychologist. The psychologist, um, some of them will have PhDs, they more focus in, in research. Um, and then those who are psych Ds are more into um, and, uh, at, at, um, clinic, clinical work, like the kind of work I do, like um, the therapy part, you know, psychotherapy. Um, they do a lot of that. They, the psychologists do a lot of testings, uh, like neuropsychological testings, educational testings, that kind of stuff, IQ, uh, adaptive stuff. So the psychologists do that. And then you have, and it depends on the different states. So you have uh, licensed counselors, counselors, professionals. So those counselors, um, their degrees are in psychology and their focus is um, counseling, you know, um, they do counseling. And then the LCSW, the licensed clinical social worker, like I am. So we are trained social workers and we have different, um, focus. Like for instance, me, my focus was children and families and mental health. So that was my concentration. Um, so after the master's level, you go, both of us, whether you have a, a master's degree in counseling or social work, you go, if you want to do clinical work, the mental health, the 
clinical part, then you go and and do a lot of case reviews, work under people who've been licensed and you have a certain number of years you have to prove yourself and then take a national exam and, and do clinical supervision and all that good stuff. And then you license to be able to practice independently. Um, so I think the difference though with the, the social worker mind, the social worker mind is a very, uh, it's very social system minded. It's, we, we're very systemic. We believe, um, the men in the whole, the whole system, we don't treat the individual isolated, just, you know, you in psychotherapy, we're just going to talk about you and that's it. The social worker look at every systems in the person's life because we believe it all, it's all interconnected. Um, so it's a matter of philosophy, I guess. Um, and me personally, I like to use the word therapy, psychotherapy versus counseling, because what I find, and I don't know how true it is for everybody, but what I have found in my over 20 years of practice is uh, counseling. People tend to um, give the connotation in their mind when they say I'm going to counseling. They mean I'm coming to someone to tell me what's wrong with me. And what I need to do to fix it, you know, so it's more like this person is this expert who has the answer for everything and they're coming for answers. While in therapy, psychotherapy is a journey. I see myself as someone who comes alongside of you. You open your life and I consider it a great, a sacred honor and privilege I come into your life and we walk together we process things we identify things and and, and you're in charge you're the expert in your life you know and and I'm here to just walk with you take the journey with you we just it's a journey of self-discovery you'll discover what's going right what what you want to change how you want to change it where you are you know we establish this relationship and we do the work together. That's why I like the term therapy. Gotcha. Yeah. Like I, I just learned a lot. I was like, okay, there's psychiatry, psychology, counseling, mm -hmm. and therapist. So mm -hmm. like there's all of those. And I'm like, and you, you broke it down for me so I can, mm -hmm. like now I know like the psych, the psych ones are more like of a medical mm -hmm. diagnosis type while like the counseling and the therapist are taking Take you through so that, that that's it makes sense in my head after you explain that so thank you yeah, I love the part about the the journey I think mm -hmm. that's like spot on and mm -hmm. it makes a lot of sense like even earlier when you're talking about your self-awareness and you mm -hmm. know opening up to a therapist and you really do have to trust them with everything because you are probably telling them like the deepest part of you and you're opening up and giving them that journey and yeah it's kind of like a beautiful process so it's probably very rewarding for you on that side of things to be able to see your clients grow and uh -huh. and, and see how they are you know how they're able to help themselves because like you said I mean you're there to guide them but you know they ha they have ultimate control over themselves and their lives so that's exactly. that's really amazing yeah we start where the client is yeah it's yeah, yeah. they lead they do the leading yeah and, and I think that it's like important to kind of talk about that because we we kind of just broke it down into like the four main practices mm -hmm. so I think that it's important that people know this as well that 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 you know as you go through the journey to to enter this this realm of you know 
helping humanity, right? And <laughs> there's different degrees and licensures and certificates that are required. Mm-hmm. They don't just kind of just stick anybody out there and just go, mm-hmm. you can do this. And this is like a, a, a kind of like a, a managed type of industry where you need to be licensed to be able to yeah. um, provide this professional help. Yeah. And if I may, when you're talking about that tool, if I may say something, because, you know, one of the things that's out there is coaching the life, life, um, life coach. Yeah. I think this is great. Yep. This is important. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, and, and, and there's a place for that, but coaching is more like, there's a huge difference. And, 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 and I would like for people to be mindful of what they need. Um, because for some reason, I don't know, but there's still stigma around therapy and mental health and that sort of thing. So people would proudly and joyfully say, hey, I'm working with a coach, you know, but people will not say I'm going to therapy, you know. So yeah. but the coach, the coach, like I've had coaches like in business, like when I open my practice, I I'm a great therapist. You know, I love what I do and I get great feedback. And I'm like, I love doing that. I'll, you know, I'll do this full time. But what I didn't know is how to do business. Like I didn't know how to be a businesswoman. So I I had a coach that helped me, you know, do business. And you could have a life coach if you have a goal, you know, to motivate you and, and what have you. That's different than having a therapist and sometimes you need a therapist and the therapist, there are boards that oversee what we do. We have licenses we could lose. We, we study just different things. It's just a, a whole different things. And just like if you, if you broke your leg, you wouldn't go see a pediatrician, nothing wrong with the pediatrician, right? Mm-hmm. But you would go see an auto pedic doctor right so that's all i'm saying like for people to be mindful and make sure that um if you need therapy that you go see a therapist yeah i think that's that's really important because you see a lot of those people on on social media and you you, there's a lot of that going on and Mm -hmm. um and i think it might just be because i think we're so as human beings and as people that communicate interpersonally, like I think it's it's really normal for us to get advice from a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. From our friends, you know, when we were something's going bad or we need some help from somebody, we kind of go towards our friends, maybe our coworkers. We're just so used to talking to people, and it, it helps for people. And I think that's important too. Some some people just need to be heard. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think that people are so used to doing that. They think they can Mm -hmm. just do that with anybody and not Mm -hmm. have that and not have that stigma, but Mm -hmm. that's not, that's not really helping. Mm -hmm. You know, like you said, if you break your leg, you're, you're just putting like a bandaid on it. So it wouldn't help to not have somebody that's Mm -hmm. licensed and a professional that has gone through this rigorous training and Uh testing to Uh be able to do this and is governed by board. So I think that's really important to, to point out as well. And so. um, I'm and I'm so, even as we're talking and things are coming up. So speaking of which too, like the the counseling over social media that I see happening all the time. <laughs> Someone would say, you know, I've I've been dealing with a lot of suicidal thoughts lately and and you know, I and someone would say, just pray about it, girl, read your Bible or um, you know, just God's gonna 
fix it. And and you know me, you know um, how much I need God. I, you know, I believe the Bible where God says without me, you can't do nothing. So not everybody believes that, but I happen to do, right? Uh, I identify as a Christian and as a Christian, we have responsibilities. You know, we we have, there are things that God does and he helps us. He blesses it and, and help us do it better. We still have to do our part. So some people will just go see their pastors. Um, uh, and sometimes, like you said, that's enough. You just needed somebody to share a Bible verse and encourage you. But sometimes you have wounds, you know, childhood adversities and 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 things that are so much deeper that you're going to need more than somebody saying a prayer for you and, and everything is okay. And we hide we it and I and I can appreciate it because it's therapy is hard work. Like Jane mentioned, it's opening yourself up. It's allowing somebody into your space. It's it's talking about things you don't want to talk. You know about. I had a client tell me. He says, "Wow, you know, you you make me think about things I didn't even know I was thinking about." You know, so yeah. I get it. I get it. At the same time, I just want to encourage. If it's one person listening, I encourage you to take the step and see the appropriate person who can help you, not just pray, because we do that. You know, we, we, we're fighting in our marriages. We have communication uh, issues. We're struggling to resolve conflicts. We have problem with our sexualities and, um, um, you know, us a sexual life, so different things like that. And we just want to pray about everything. And we just want to tell the pastor and the pastor, I encourage pastors to, you know, clergies, please allow, allow different gifts and different people to operate and, and do their own place. Cause be in their own place. Cause you can't be everything to everybody. So if we could all work together in our own offices and 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 um, gifts and professions, I just think the world uh, it would help the world be be a better place. Like Michael Jackson says, "Heal the world." <laughs> <laughs> Let's just make the world a better place, okay? Yes, yes. agreed, yes. agreed. I know you kind of briefly mentioned this. Um, you know, everyone talks about like there's that stigma around mental health and. Mm-hmm. You know, people feel like they're going to be judged if they find out they're seeing a therapist or they think that something's wrong with them. Can you just kind of address that that stigma, like the common, I guess, misconceptions you see about seeing a therapist or a counselor? Yeah, I think I think a lot of that. And and honestly, I would be interested because I'm on the other side. Uh, I would be interested in hearing what other people have to say about it. Like, but. F- I think a lot of it stemmed from a lot of different um, movies in the past and and how mental health used to be pictured and how people with mental illnesses used to be institutionalized and just different things like that where people didn't really know what they were doing um, and it wasn't really trauma-informed. So I think a lot of that stemmed from that and people are nervous about how am I going to be seen or people going to think, um, you know, 
are they going to put me in some hospital or we go I'm a, and unfortunately there are places people um, there are jobs that people may not um, get certain jobs or do certain things if they have particular diagnosis which is really a shame you know in 2020 because if somebody is diagnosed with cancer you know or something like that everybody feel you know, we give empathy, we, we support them. But then why would we look down on somebody if they diagnosed with, let's say, schizophrenia or bipolar? Like, how is that their fault? It's nobody's fault. Um, so I, I think it's all that. Um, it's it's a lack of information and lack of understanding. And it's incumbent on people like me and you guys, you know, and all of us to really speak up and educate and share the information and encourage people to understand better, like uh, what mental health is and how um, crucial it is in, in, in our own uh, survival as, 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 as a society. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I kind of, th- this makes me want to ask you this question because like mm-hmm. I, I'm guilty of this. Um, mm-hmm. I love the internet and I use it a lot. <laughs> and I think a lot of people self-diagnose on the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that like, is that problematic? I mean, obviously it is <laughs> when people yeah. diagnose, but like, I, I mean, I do that with anything. Like if I, if I have a headache. I go look up WebMD, which is not a good idea anyway, because uh, you have 50 billion things with a headache. But, you know, can you touch on that a little bit? And I'm sure you probably have um, clients that come see you that have self-diagnosed and think that they, they're uh-huh. like, I want you to help me with this because this is what parents, I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially parents. Parents do that a lot. They would <laughs> call, they would bring their kids and say, you know, they tell me exactly what's going on. This is what's going on and that this is what needs to be done. Um, and, but like you just said, you know, it's just a 50 million reasons why we may have a headache, you know, and, and, uh, the manual that we use, uh, the DSM, um, wait, what's that? The, it's, it's the diagnostic manual that statistical manual that we use, uh, gotcha, to gotcha. diagnose. Uh-huh. So in there, it just lists different conditions and it gives criterias. Uh, uh, um, for criteria for to diagnose um, um, to diagnose so um, and you have to know so so no the answer is no you can't just look online and and um, and and just give yourself a diagnosis yeah like you know when we're in school like we can't if we're doing a paper they want us to look at those research journals right not yeah. just google or wikipedia it <laughs> yeah <laughs> if only it was that easy right <laughs> yeah yeah that, that makes sense and 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 talking about that a little bit how you say you have like parents that come in um mm-hmm. with children and self-diagnose like what is like a typical session look like you know, like movies portray like a stereotypical scene where you're like laying on the couch, mm-hmm. um, like so all this random stuff in the counselor or the therapist has like a, a notebook and say, how does this make you feel? Is is that really what it looks like? Because I think that might play into the stigma as well. Is that really what it looks like? I kind of know the answer because <laughs> I've been to your uh, office. Yeah, but... <laughs> no, no, well, yeah, I mean, it's well, for, ev- for one thing, everybody's different, you know, so especially working with children, like working with children. Um, 
like I said, you need to be able to engage and connect. So, like for parents, that's what one of the reasons it's difficult because they come and say, and they tell you, this is what's wrong, this is what he's doing, she's doing, this is what. And then they wonder two, three weeks later, how come they haven't opened up to you? They haven't told you this, you know, this is what. But, you know, it takes time. It takes time. And, and, and especially with children, sometimes you do different activities to help. Again, because if people are in their scared, stressed uh, mindset, you know, they can't process things. So we have to find ways to connect and help people relax and engage. And so it's a lot that goes through um, in a session. And, and again, it's not about, it's, it's a process. So. Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and <laughs> as, as we're t- thinking about that process, right. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that it, it might have to go both ways when uh, uh, someone's going to go see um, a, a, a therapist or, or going to a mental health session. So as a client, if I'm coming in or I'm going to go see someone or I'm coming to see you, mm-hmm. what are, what should a, a person do to prepare for a mental health session or a, a, some type of session? Like what is it, what, what would be a good thing for a patient to think about doing before coming in and what are some of the expectations they should have? Um, so have questions, like I said, for the, for the therapist, the person you will be working with. Um, we usually start with something we call a biopsychosocial assessment. Um, so assessment is ongoing and, and uh, its simplest form. An assessment is just an inquiry, you know, asking question, keeping an open mind because we're learning. You're learning, you're discovering um, your, your, your client and they discovering the on a self-discovery journey too. So the, the first session or two, it's about just questions, getting to know the person, lots of history and things like that. And so I would say, you know, for the person to just have know what questions, what they want to know. Um, and really, uh, again, be with somebody you feel comfortable. Of course, you just meet someone you may not be able to, trust them but at least be comfortable so you could relax and just answer questions and just know that the questions are about just to get to know you so we figure out who you are where you are and where you want to go and also know that you don't have to tell the therapist everything in the first session you know like you don't have because sometimes people do that they come just and say everything and then then you feel all naked and then sometimes people are afraid to even go back because they've done said so much to this person they just met. Uh, just take your time, you know, and, and know it's a process and trust the process. That's very great advice. I think for someone who hasn't gone to see anyone before, that's mm-hmm. probably great because it's probably scary or a little mm-hmm. nerve wracking, I guess, for a person you know, they, they feel probably a lot, very vulnerable. So it's good to know that, you know, they have time. They don't have to necessarily spill their whole life to you mm-hmm. in that one session. And they have that, like you said earlier, that journey with you where mm-hmm. you can kind of help guide them through those, those troubles that they're having. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. And I think this is important to touch on uh, just because I think a lot of people are kind of in limbo and don't mm-hmm. know when to actually go ahead and, and go see somebody. So mm-hmm. I, I wanted to ask you, 
how to know, like, how does someone know when they, they might need to see someone um, to, to whether it's, you know, getting more understanding about like self-discovery and understanding mm-hmm. who they are or mm-hmm. when they think that something's seriously wrong or when something is, you know, not clicking as well for them. When, mm-hmm. like, I know that's, that's like a, a, a pretty broad question as well, mm-hmm. but I think that maybe like we could focus on when do you know, like it's absolutely important to go see someone. Yeah. So, um, things like a support system, there are some general things that are, um, that are helpful, um, to do life, like a support system, a couple friends, um, you know, having a sense uh, of purpose, having something you do and you enjoy, just different things like that to keep us going. Um, and everybody, would feel off sometimes, you know, you'll um, maybe reach out, talk to some friends, a church, a family, um, different things like that can help. But things like, I would say like um, when it gets to, for instance, suicide, for instance, when you, when you find yourself um, concerned Things I would say like that's like emergency, like right away. Like when you find yourself concerned about death and and um, wanting to give up and having making plans to end your life and um, or even taking steps to like give things away and saying goodbyes. When you find yourself in that, um, when you find yourself there, it's important to pick up the phone and call 911, call 211, um, talk to somebody. And if you, somebody, someone is talking to you like that, this is like emergency, like right away, you know? Um, That's one thing I would say, like if you in a relationship and then, you know, there's arguments and every relationship has argument, but like if safety I would say like safety, whenever your safety uh, is threatened, that's definitely a time to do something right away. Um, but if, if in doubt, if it, if in doubt, you can always, like I said, a lot of us give those consultations, you know, those 15, 20, 30 minutes consultation, pick up the phone, call somebody and say, Hey, you know, this is where I'm at. And I was thinking and, what do you think kind of things? And I, I think I want to say um, risking to appeal to broad that people usually would know, you know, um, if something is off. Yeah. Um, I think it's great that you mentioned that even mm-hmm. if it, even if you're not necessarily like even if you're just having a few like an off couple months mm-hmm. like having that consultation or just speaking to someone it's kind of like what do you have to lose in that situation yeah. it's just getting that feedback from someone saying hey this is what's been going on and they yeah. can like someone like you would be able to tell you know me say yeah. oh jane like this is what i suggest you do or hey i mm-hmm. think you're really having a t- hard time with this so maybe you should yeah. you know come in and we'll try some of these things or you can say okay. you know what i think you know, try this first. If it doesn't work out, then maybe, you know, contact me again in a few weeks or a month and we can kind of, you know, see where you're at or how you're feeling. Yeah. Cause even if you don't have like a, um, 
major depressive disorder or generalized anxiety, there is such a thing as adjustment, like adjustment <laughs> um, as a diagnosis. Like if you, and things like getting married could be such a great source of of stress that you need to adjust that moving to a new place, you know, this COVID thing going on, you, we, we have to adjust. And, and when you have to adjust and it throws you off, you might need to, you know, do a few sessions with somebody and help you um, get recalibrated. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, it's really important that to, to have that discussion and to touch on that. So thank you for, for being able to talk about that. Cause I think a lot of people struggle and don't know when, is a good time. So thank you for doing yeah, that. Definitely. So we, we typically end off the episode uh, asking uh, a, a question. And uh, basically that question is, what is one piece of knowledge that you would like everyone to know or get from this conversation? Okay. Wow. Okay. Good question. Um, it's just so much. I feel like, you know, I want the world to know and I want people to know, but you know, in my experience, guys, one of the things I feel like that has really contributed to a, a lot of um, difficulties and conflicts and challenges is just how how we question ourselves as human beings and how we uh, how we put value um, or devalue ourselves. I had a young lady I used to work with. She would say, you know, when this happened, I feel like I'm on sale. I feel like I'm 20% off. Uh, and we would laugh about it. But it, it it's true that a lot of times as human, we go through life feeling like we are on sale, that we're devalued and we're less than because of circumstances or what have you. So the one thing I want to say to everybody that I think it's super crucial, important for everybody to know is that, you know, yellow, right, black and white, we are all precious in his sight and that we are all valuable and our worth, our worth is our humanity because we are human. <laughs> That's why we are worthy we are worthy of, of love, we are worthy of affection, we are worthy of respect, and we are worthy of, we are worthy to be taken care of. And uh, and sometimes we look for that in people around us, in our environment, and we take cues from, from outside of us to, to determine uh, whether we are worthy uh, so I would like to encourage everyone to know no matter what the outside, the circumstance or the people around you say, um, your worthiness comes from the fact that you are created and and you are a human being and you are valuable. And I think knowing that and remembering that um, goes a long way. You know, in, in the only book that I have published so far, one of the, I, I made a statement and I said, if in other places your words don't matter, what you say or what you do don't matter, there's one place where it matters uh, for sure is in your life. So what you say about yourself, whether you say it verbally, 
or whether you say it um, in your mind, through your thoughts or your actions, what you say about yourself carry a lot of weight. And um, and just want to encourage everybody, let's, let's live and operate according to our worth. That was Tamara Noel of Wisdom Solutions. If you all want to get in contact with her, you can follow her on social at Tamara Noel Speaks. And you can also visit her on her website at TamaraNoelSpeaks.com. If you've made it this far, thank you so much for listening. We are truly humbled. So humbled and grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And if you want to follow us on social. Instagram and Twitter at Savvy Dialogue. Give us a follow to stay up to date on all of our podcasts. Absolutely. And uh, while you're here, leave us a review on wherever you're listening. We're available where podcasts are available, if that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But thank you again so much for for listening. Um, You can expect us to keep dropping these weekly. Yep. So tune in each week.